Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk football with the professor, John Clayton. If you guys have questions for John, text those questions in right now, 206-421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let them go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Just getting ready for this this game this weekend. We we had uh, we had a sideline reporter for the Cardinals on earlier, and they're, they're it sounds like it's going to come down to game time to determine whether Kyler Murray is going to be available or not. Yeah, yeah. He, he also said he does he does not expect to see DeAndre Hopkins. Wow, that hamstring still not healing up, so uh, that has to hurt. And you know, I don't know about Pew, the guard. I mean, he may not be able to play either, so that could be a big chunk out of their offense. But obviously, the key right now is Kyler Murray. But again, when he got the injury. Uh, toward the end of that game, they said it could be one to three weeks, and this is the third week. And I know that uh, he did a little stuff at practice today, but yeah, it's still gonna it's still gonna be tough. Where did you think, John? We were both kind of reflecting on where we thought Arizona would be. I didn't think they were going to be good last year. I didn't think they were going to be good this year. Um, but now you, you look at where they're at, and they're not immune to what's happening in the NFL. These mm-hmm. you know teams uh, you know reaching up and and biting. Who's their big loss to that was uh, so – and they, they killed Cleveland, Arizona did. Mm-hmm. Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers. Right? The Panthers, yeah. Happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like every team has had one of those kinds of games. But what were your expectations for the Cardinals coming in? Yeah, I thought that they they had a chance to be a playoff team. I thought maybe it would be a 9-10 win team. I didn't think it would be sitting here at an 8-2 record this early. But, you know, like anything else, you know, when you have a good quarterback – uh, it, by that third year, and we watched it with Russell Wilson, who actually did it in his uh, by first and second year. But I mean, Kyler Murray in his third year has a chance to elevate that team. And you know, they kept on adding some good things on defense. And uh, now, of course, some of that's been taken away. J.J. Watts out for the season. Uh, so in the end, I think that uh, you know they're good. But and, and eight and two is something I never expected. I thought you know they'd win you know nine to ten games, ten at the most, but uh, they could top that. John, did you hear Pete Carroll today talking about Chris Carson? I did not. Here's uh, here's what he said quickly, and then we'll get your reaction. He won't practice today. That's that's the update I got. Um, what I would say is we didn't make the positive progress that we would, had hoped. You know, so. Um, we're still working with it, so I, I just don't. I, I don't have a good update for you. If you don't mind, just gotta wait another couple of days. And we'll have have more. But he didn't make the positive pro, uh, pro, uh, process forward that we wanted. You know, so um, we just have to wait. It's, it, it sounds bad, John. We were yeah. we were kind of comparing it to you know Kyle Lewis in in baseball with the Mariners, where he got hurt, and initially the way it was talked about by the by the managers and coaches, it, they made it sound kind of minor, but it was really vague in terms of detail. And that's what it seems like it's been with Chris Carson. Very little detail. They they alluded to the fact that this is not a new thing. It's something that they had been with him for a while, uh, but it's sort of portraying it as potentially being a minor thing. Hey, we're just sort of a maintenance thing, if you will. And, and here we are. What has he played? Four games the whole year, mm-hmm. and now he's going to miss another game? Does this... This is starting to feel like it could just end up as, as just a bad end for him. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it doesn't sound good at all. I mean, because, again, I don't uh, – that neck injury, it, it's still kind of vague as far as, you know, when he first had the neck injury because some people thought he was in college and he carried it through uh, his NFL career. You know how physical he is when he runs. You know, he, he likes to do damage to the other guy. 
uh, that's trying to tackle him or the guys that are trying to tackle him. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound good at all, and it kind of makes you feel that, uh, I mean, here's one of the great uh, draft choices they could have, a seventh-round pick who had 2,000-yard seasons, and now you kind of wonder, is he heading toward the end of his Seahawk career? Yeah, it was weird the way that whole thing went down. And uh, Alex Collins, John, I mean, look, I get that everybody's going to say that he is, you know, limited. He's not, no, he's not Chris Carson. But, you know, you saw him, um, I, I was pretty impressed in Pittsburgh. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, the other day, 4.1 yards per carry. And, you know, that was you know something that Carson was really good at. His average was deceptively good. He was more like a five, six yard per carry most of the season last year. But, you know, I, I feel like they can get it going with him. I mean, he's all they got, obviously, but I don't, I don't see, as far as ranking the running backs that they have, I don't see anybody that's close. To, I love DJ Dallas, same thing, Travis Homer, but as far as an every down back, I don't see anybody that's as close, even close to Alex Collins. No, and again, it's like uh, I, I just thought from the very beginning of uh, training camp uh, and through the OTAs and everything else that he looked good. And I thought that you know he should have been the backup running back to Chris Carson. You know, that's why I was stunned when they opened the season up and he was on the inactive list and uh, you know they had uh, Penny. Penny out there and of course I mean you notice I mean we we just got into this conversation and nobody's even mentioning Penny because again it's like what's there to mention? Nothing. Uh, nothing. So it's like uh, you know they they need something out of Penny the rest of the way but uh, no I think that uh, you know Collins Collins looks real good and uh, but the big thing is they need to run the ball more. I mean, you can't keep going these games where I know it was, you know, a, dif- a different thing, you know, being in pistol and being in shotgun and having Russell running around. But when you only have 11 carries to running backs, that's just not enough. No, it's not, and especially on a day where you were trying to protect the quarterback. You mm-hmm. wanted him to get rid of the ball quickly or just find a way to move the ball without exposing him to more injury. Yeah, it, it it would seem that it was. Uh, do you put that on Pete? You put that on Shane Waldron? Who do you put that on? Well, I, mean, I think you have to put it on uh, Shane Waldron, and then you know Pete for not saying get out of that and start uh, running the ball. I mean, so it was on both. But uh, you know, it it was one that because uh, you know, again, this takes me back to last year with that sixty forty pass to run ratio, and the interceptions kept on mounting up. And what happened in the game on Sunday? Two interceptions. Hey, John, I saw an article, and it was like, yeah, the MVP race is as wide open as the playoff race. It it just seems like it's just all over the place. And, you know, we, we talked about this yesterday, just mm-hmm. all the surprise teams, you know, Jacksonville beating Buffalo. But as far as the MVP race goes, I'm looking at Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, nah. Uh, you know Matthew Stafford, Patrick Mahomes. Who do you have a list? Did you kind of seem to me you you would typically change it every two three weeks? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's ever changing. I mean, again, I remember I did it for the Washington Post about a month ago, and uh, you know I had Kyler Murray on top, and now uh, I mean you know, and, and that's why it changes so often. You know, like for example, uh, two weeks ago you'd probably go with Matthew Stafford. And it's like, well, then, you know, he's, he's had a couple off games now. And so then, uh, you know, you, you'd have it as uh, before that Josh Allen. But then you write about Josh Allen. He had the bad game against Jacksonville and he struggled for a couple games. And then, uh, you know, uh, it's it just it's it's a wide open race. And again, it's all quarterback driven. There's no question about it. I mean, the one most consistent one that I, I think that still makes it out of there is Tom Brady, even though he did lose on Sunday. But uh, Brady still has 
you know, uh, you know, 27 touchdown passes, which leads the league, and he's on pace for 5,000 yards. That's a pretty good MVP type season. Mm. What about uh, the the 206 here asking about the Patriots and and Mac Jones has been impressive. He's yeah. very efficient. He's not. Right. He doesn't have the gaudy stats like he's throwing for 400 yards a game, but. Man, he was just, what did he throw, three touchdowns the other day, and it was like a 15 of 19 day or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was just really efficient, maybe even under 200 yards. But uh, this person asking, uh, John, what assessment do you have for Josh McDaniel's work with the Patriots offense this season? It's been uh, it's been excellent because again he took a rookie quarterback under his wing and has you know, and of course Bill Belichick got him more weapons than he even got Tom Brady getting two twelve and a half million dollar tight ends and you know getting uh, you know uh, Nelson Aguilar at eleven million dollars and you know Kendrick Bourne and all those all those guys and so and their offensive line is actually pretty good so I think that's worked out but what you like and that's the thing that was so interesting because I know. Uh, Kyle Shanahan kind of fooled us all because we thought that he was going to be a Mac Jones guy. And I think initially he was. Then he started falling in love with Trey Lance. And when he got one of his better friends to uh, be able to, you know, coach him up in the off season. And and so he was able to keep updated on it. But a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jones could have been, you know, the third pick in the draft. All right, somebody asking from the 406, uh, is, is Rogers, Aaron Rodgers still consideration for MVP? He missed a game. Isn't missing time a DQ? No. I mean... Uh, What's a, what, you remember a, a guy with the least number of games? I mean, has there been maybe a running back or somebody that yeah. played 14-15 that still got the MVP? MVP. Yeah, I don't see why why not. I mean, it's not a matter of the number of games you play; it's the quality that you play in those games. And obviously, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is sitting there. Technically, this week he's now the number one seed in the NFC. The Packers are. I mean, he's won eight games, so uh, you know, it's like think you know he's put himself in that position. And just because he missed one because of COVID nineteen, I mean, like for example, what are we going to scratch Dak Prescott because he missed a game? No. I mean, you know, it's like uh, as a consideration. So, no, it's like it's not the number of games. I don't know what the fewest number of games are for a quarterback that wins the MVP, but that's the one thing. I mean, you know, it, the competition is so intense that uh, if you lose a couple games, then you may not be able to have the stats to be able to do it. Uh, John, a couple people texting in asking if the Seahawks would have interest in Le'Veon Bell. I just saw something come, go across the TV that said the Ravens are open to bringing him back. So I'm yeah. not sure what changed there. But as far as the Seahawks' potential interest in him? No. I, I say no. <laughs> I mean, I think he's more pain than good. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, and I think that, you know, he's, yeah, I think skill-wise he starts to show a decline you know, it's like certainly you know he is one of the better remaining running backs on the street, but I don't I don't see that being a fit here. What's going on with Baltimore? Uh, all of a sudden, having interest in bringing him back? Did somebody go down there? No, I mean I think what it comes down to is that uh, you know they they were very aggressive you know, because they, they first went out they got Latavius Murray, mm-hmm. then they went out and they got Devontae Freeman. You know, Murray has missed a couple games because of injury, and so that got Le'Veon on the active roster because they brought Le'Veon in on the practice squad. But still, he was the third of the three, and they still have a, a young back that they like too. So it's like uh, he just kind of ran out of spots. All right, Frank uh, Gore saying, hey, I'm an NFL Hall of Famer. My numbers speak for themselves. They do, don't they, John? Yeah, they do. 16,000 career rushing yards, and he's getting ready for a fight. Who's he fighting, Bob? 
Darren Williams, Darren former, Williams, former guard for the Utah Jazz. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Frank on this one. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go with Williams. He owns really? he owns an MMA gym. I think he's been training for a while. So. Yeah, but and again, can a running? I'll ask you this, Dave. Can a running back uh, beat an offensive lineman? Uh, Frank Gore could. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just think he's such a tough dude, man. I, I agree. I like him a lot. I do, too. And he played 16 seasons? Is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, something like that. And you said this yesterday, and you're right. He got both ACLs replaced in college. Yeah, before he ever started his pro career, yeah. he had blown out both knees. Mm-hmm. Bob and I were talking about these guys that say, yeah, I could have played pro, but I blew my knee out. I'm like, oh, really? What's that like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's ever overcome that. Yeah. That's weird. But Frank Gore, I mean, in, and also he was talking about how much all of his coaches, did he play for, he said Parcells. I don't know why he said that. But in the article he was saying, hey, tell him to call Bill Parcells, call anybody, and you can ask him about what kind of ball player that I was. Uh, this is quoting him. But, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's just the epitome of toughness in the NFL, especially at a position where you just get the heck beat out of you. Oh, I know. And that's why I know through the years he's always been good to me when I'd see him in the locker room after games and getting interviews and stuff like that because what he used to do, he used to come over to me, uh, you know, right after, uh, you know, I didn't even have to go get him for an interview. He would come over to me, and what he would do is he'd pull me over and say, okay, what do you think? Do I look okay? Is everything coming? It's like, it's like, are you kidding me? You're great. I mean, he had over 100 yards. It's like, uh, I think you're doing pretty well. But he would always ask me and ask for a review of where he is as a player. Well, then he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that sums it up right there, John. Mm-hmm. Hey, what what about, are, are we seeing the end of Richard Sherman? He got placed on the uh, injured list today. He he was out. He, he suffered that hamstring injury in week six, and he'd only played, what, a couple games? Right. He signed, what, week four, I think, is mm-hmm. when he signed. And then he, he injured his calf during warm-ups, and now he's been placed on injured reserve. I, I mean, it's just, man, you talk about bad luck. Are we seeing the end of him? Could, probably could be, yeah, because, again, it's like uh, these injuries are continuing to mount up. And, you know, I mean, where I think that uh, they did him wrong is that, uh, you know, he comes in, and with like three practices, they put him out there and uh, to play. And then the next thing you know, he ends up getting hurt because you know he rushed himself, and they rushed him to get on the field uh, after having not had training camp, having not done anything in the off season. And uh, here he was, you know, just showing up and you know learning things. And obviously, he was smart enough to pick up whatever they do on defense, but unfortunately, you know, the bo- the body just didn't respond, and you kind of wonder, maybe that body is starting to show this could be it. Hey, John, uh, Justin Herbert, 5-4. Uh, and four, uh, It's not like he's having a bad year. I mean, it's, it's 65% completion. He's thrown for 2,500 yards, uh, 19 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. But is there a little bit of disappointment, do you think, in L.A. with the Charger, Chargers? Did they uh, expect him to take a bigger step, I guess, more than anything, I'm just looking at the five and four record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, you know they, they're they're starting to lose the close games, and then things are starting to creep in there. Like for example, now they're starting to get a big spread of COVID nineteen in the uh, defensive room, you know, because Joey Boza goes on there, Jerry Tillery, he's on the COVID list. I know they had to put another defensive lineman on the COVID list today, and so that kind of worked against them. You know, certainly they've you know they they've kind of plateaued a little bit. I mean, I still think he looks – I think he's great because, again, you're talking 25 touchdown passes. That puts him kind of close to uh, Tom Brady where he could maybe throw 50 touchdown passes this year because you know, he does have, what, uh, 
you know, eight games remaining. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, he looks pretty good, but, you know, they lost a couple close ones toward the end, and that was one of the problems that they had last year. How do, how do you wrap your brain around a guy like Henry Ruggs? I mean, he's he's in the worst kind of trouble for drunk driving, taking somebody's life in that situation. And I'm reading he's now going to be ordered to, to uh, stand before a judge on Monday after he missed a required alcohol test while on house arrest. Wow. And his, his lawyer said, oh, there was uh, trouble with the testing equipment. And, he, and then he self-tested, but it came up negative. I'm thinking, how, how big of a dimwit are you to be in the kind of trouble you're in currently and not just absolutely be on your P's and Q's every step of the way until there's there's some sort of a, you know, this thing comes to some sort of conclusion. It's it, You just sit there and shake your head going, you, you can't possibly be that dumb. No, I mean, but he's showing it. I mean, because, Ugh. I mean, he's like, this just awful what he's doing because you know here's here he has the chance to uh you know he, you know because you know he's going to have a, a, a real bad uh, sentence in jail and you know it, it could particularly too the fact that it happened in nevada i mean you know it could be 20 months more than likely you probably say it's going to be three four years but i mean his football career is pretty much in shambles his life right now is in shambles and then to miss a test whatever reason it is it's like hey you drove 156 miles an hour and killed a woman, 156. And it's like now you know, he's like you you're, you're missing a test. I mean, please, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Um, Jared Goff, uh, do you remember a nose guard named Roy Hart that played for the Seahawks? Mm, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, I always remember Roy because I remember he said that. Uh, yeah, I strained my lateral low bleep. <laughs> low bleep uh, low bleep yeah and so whenever i see low oblique i think low bleep and that's uh jared goff but it looks like it's not working out for him so tim boyle john mm-hmm. yeah that's from yukon you know who's the new football coach at yukon who, who oh he's uh, jim mora jim mora yeah jim yeah. mora jr what I have no idea the connection of him going to UConn, but I'm looking at the job was available (laughs) because there was one Um, because he was in Bristol for ESPN. There you go, John. That might be the connection. There you go. Um, But I'm I'm looking at Boyle. I mean, at UConn, Mm -hmm. his freshman, sophomore, junior year. So he was a 48 percent passer uh, threw for 1200 yards, one touchdown and 13 interceptions. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about him possibly oh, sounds playing. Like, sounds like you'll Detroit, fit it right into that Detroit right culture. Into Detroit. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 that's that's how great a job that they've done with that roster. They've really done such a sensational oh. job. I mean, they have no depth whatsoever. Their starters are shaky at best, and that's why uh, I'm I'm still amazed that uh, you know they tied the Steelers 19-19 because I mean that that looks like a team that shouldn't win a game. Yeah. So and what are they? Oh eight and one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And how much of that is left over from when Patricia was there, or who, who's the GM in Detroit? Are you? Uh, was it? Is it Brad Holmes? I mean, they just got him from the Rams. Yeah. It just you know I I know it's going to take a while yeah, yeah. to to turn it around, but it just seems like uh, yeah maybe give. Uh, the kneecap biter, uh, Dan Campbell, at least a year. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, did nobody really expected him to do anything this year? Did they, John? No, I mean, because I mean, you watch the way that they let more players go than they gained. I mean, sure they got uh, numbers, but they didn't get quality. I mean, I mean, you they lose uh, 
their two best wide receivers and uh, didn't do a good job of replacing them. Then, of course, you know, they make the trade. And so, you know, it's like and it's not like they're overloaded with draft choices and stuff like that. I think they only have like seven or eight next year. So it's like, uh, yeah, this this is going to take several years. I don't know if the knee brighter is going to be able to survive it. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't know what good it would do to switch coaches if you've got just garbage product with all due respect to the players that are there. But if you. How is, is somebody going to come in there and wave a magic wand and they all become really good? Is, no. he, is he the reason they're a bad team? It sounds like the players are the reason. Yeah, they don't, they don't, have, they don't have enough good players. I mean, oh. that's, that's the main reason. Oh, and the, the other thing is their starting quarterback has a bad low bleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, you need your low bleep to be in good shape. And when you're begging to get Jared Goff back on the field, mm-hmm. that's when you know you're in trouble. You're in trouble, no doubt. John? We'll talk tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. There you go. If you missed any of today's cold, hard facts, brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com. It is Wednesday, which means it's Washington Wednesdays, and the Huskies need a new head coach. But how realistic are their expectations? We'll talk about that next. It's Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.